This is Stephanie Ruper. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Naked Humanity podcast, where we take a deep, deep dive into what it means to be human in the modern world. Today is a bonus episode, and I am going to be talking about making meaning in a time of coronavirus. So I feel very fortunate and honored and excited to be making this podcast today. I actually paused publishing of the podcasts that were forthcoming because they were topics that I really liked and I didn't want them to be uh, too overlooked. I wanted to wait to publish them until we all had time to sit with the ideas fully. Uh, but I did receive a lot of questions on social media about coronavirus and anxiety and about spirituality or that sort of thing. And I have been very active on Instagram. So head over there if you haven't. I'm talking about that sort of thing, and I have decided to go ahead and make an episode about it. Um, I have been doing a lot of talking on social media about managing anxiety, about practical tips for your daily life. And this is also something that I think is kind of being abundantly talked about on social media. And so I'll talk about that for a little bit today. I'll give a brief overview of my thoughts on how to cope with this massive change in our lives. But then I want to dive in some things that aren't really being particularly talked about a lot and that I think could be really nice if you're doing some deeper searching about how to make this whole event sit more comfortably uh, in your spirit or what have you. So um, first and foremost, I want to do a brief tour of anxiety and uncertainty in this time. And like I mentioned, uh, this is a really, really big change. And it is introducing a lot of uncertainty to our lives. And I think probably the most important thing we have to acknowledge about that uh, is that it's inherently stressful and anxiety inducing. Anxiety is in some ways defined by the problems of uncertainty, of wondering what to do, of what's coming next, of how to cope with it. And so what I recommend to people, this is my personal coping strategy, and while it may be more resonant with some than with others, I think there's a lesson in it that we can all learn from, which is that you need to control as much as you can in a healthy and sustainable manner, and then let go of everything that you can't control, right? There's that famous quote from Reinhold Niebuhr. I'm not going to get it precisely right. Uh, God grant me the um, serenity to accept the things I can't change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, something like that. That is very, very crucial for dealing with uncertainty. So I recommend being informed, right? Uh, learning about what's happening on a global scale as well as on your more local scales, right? And that can help you be prepared for what's to come. And it can also help you understand what sorts of support are available to you. Um, that can be a very helpful uh, thing for you and for the people around you, because there are a lot of things happening, trying to get school lunches to kids, trying to uh, reduce payments in certain ways, and uh, utility payments uh, have been suspended in some areas. So there's all this sort of stuff um, that's really important to get in touch with on a local level and maybe develop a network of people to talk to that you trust uh, that can help you figure out these sorts of things together. So control what you can, figure out what your needs are, and then meet them, right? Uh, if that means mental and emotional needs, if that means physical needs, if that means that you have a health condition that you need to stock up on some medicine for, uh, if that means that you want to start taking certain supplements, um, do that. Now, I don't encourage hoarding materials because that takes away from what other people might need and that would uh, suck for everybody, um, but I do encourage holding 
care for yourself at the same time you hold care for others um, so that you know that you've done everything you could. That is one of the most comforting thoughts. I have done everything I could. Now you don't want to scramble and obsess, right? You need to control what's rational and irrational about this. And that's another piece of managing anxiety is saying, okay, what are facts and what are fears? And figure out in your head what is a fact and what is a fear and maybe make lists and revisit the list and understand constantly be talking yourself down from ramping up facts into fears, right? Um, because we really don't know the future. You don't know what's going to happen. You can prepare as best you can. You can make a bunch of contingency plans, which I am constantly doing throughout my life. Uh, but that's really about the best uh, that you can do. In this time, I also think it's important to really take care of your loneliness needs. Um, in my episode with Ellie Pierce, I believe it's episode number 32, talks a lot about loneliness. And I think it's really important uh, to take care of that as like an intrinsic human need, right? That's an intrinsic human need is making sure that we are socially connected. And that even means being physically present with people. So many of us do live with people, which is good, you know, and be conscientious about that and cultivating your relationships and talking about how you're going to communicate and share space and make sure that that stays really healthy. And if you don't have that connectedness, find it online, find it in reading stories. Uh, maybe if you find another person who lives alone that you can see and it's okay, um, all that sort of thing is uh, can be very helpful for keeping you physically healthy as well as emotionally healthy. Um, so that's sort of a recap of how I feel about uh, managing anxiety in this time. And that does tie into two major points that I want to make about thinking about this time for us, this crucial time for us as a culture in the West. And there's a lot that could be said that I'm not going to say about politics and directing our attention towards uh, people who are less privileged than us. We should always, always be doing that. Um, and thinking about what kinds of systems we need in our society, right? And understanding that health is truly shared and wealth in a way is truly shared. And we are deeply interconnected. Like this is a gorgeous time, if scary and horrifying time simultaneously, uh, to be thinking about how interconnected we are and interdependent we are and how we can be taking care of one another. So that's really important. And uh, I'm not going to focus on that. I want to focus on uh, two things. The first is the concept of being under threat. Now, throughout the vast majority of human history, humans were always under threats of various kinds, right? And weren't in so much uh, control of their environments. They were at the mercy of the world, whether that was natural disasters, such as viruses, such as tornadoes, such as famines, or the threat of other human beings, right? Um, human societies have throughout all of history not had anything remotely close to the degree of power that we exercise over our world. We have, in a sense, radically sanitized our landscapes. We have used technologies, which is beautiful and gorgeous and fantastic, um, to create really, really safe worlds. Uh, but that is a really stark contrast to how humans have been human throughout all of history. Um, and we have become estranged, I think, from the fact that we are actually deeply vulnerable. Right? We have sanitized our world to such an extent that we have come to expect that we will always be safe. 
And of course, events happen that jar us out of that safety, right? Events happen that uh, are out of our control all the time. And we know that, right? Um, but these are more punctuated events and not like an intrinsic part of, of what it means to be human. Uh, but it truly is to be vulnerable in front of the mercy of the world. In a way, the ways in which we have used our technologies to sanitize our world has sort of made us less vulnerable to the forces that are at play. And it has made us less comfortable with being vulnerable. And it has sort of stripped us of a layer of vulnerability that we may have otherwise walked throughout the world with. You know, coronavirus is, is really scary and can has the potential to impact us in really profound ways. Um, but even then, at worst estimates, right, a, a few million people could die. And that's wretched and awful. But consider the fact that 900,000 people in the developing world die from tuberculosis every single year, right? And so there are so many people on the planet right now who are living constantly under the threat of a wide variety of different illnesses, different ailments, different kinds of um, really severe and serious struggles. And so, again, as I mentioned, that thinking about that can help us sit more fully with compassion for what other people are going through. And also, at the same time, think about our own vulnerability, right? We are inherently vulnerable. We are incredibly frail beings. And our society, which is incredibly large and connected and globalized, is in itself a very delicate organism. We need to appreciate that. And I think when we meditate on that sort of limit, when we meditate on the fact that we are constantly on the edge of survival, uh, it can help us be more fully human. It can help us think more deeply about our vulnerability. It can help us be open uh, and it can help us orient ourselves towards larger structures of meaning, right? It can pull us out of our neat little worlds in which we go to work and we come home and we watch TV and can make us really confront like what it is we're doing here. And that's a really, again, it's, it's horrifying and awful, but also uh, uh, at the same time, you know, has the potential to have its own uh, beauty that is just grounded in the reality of the human condition, right? Uh, because it's a fact. So that's, that kind of brings me to my second point, which is I want to talk about the meaning of suffering. So kind of related to this Western sanitization of the world and how we have made everything as, as safe and clean as possible is we have also tried to eliminate suffering. There are, there is suffering is, has become our enemy, right? Whereas throughout the vast majority of human histories, again, throughout all of time, um, evil has in a sense been the human enemy. And today the human enemy is uh, suffering. Now, this is in part because, or maybe entirely because we have taken uh, a world that used to be oriented towards, right, battles of good and evil and these supernatural ideas and grand metaphysical quests and what have you. We have taken this and we have put our world into the material present, right? If there is no larger idea of good and mean, good and evil, if there is no larger structure of meaning and purpose, then the only thing that matters is right here and right now. And all we have right here and right now is suffering and feeling good. So this is the way that we have come to 
in the Western secular world um, deal with things. And it's how we try to make meaning and it's how we try to have purpose. We say that we have to make things better for ourselves. We have to reduce suffering. We have to um, create better conditions for the next generation. And in a sense, that's true, but that's also quite new. Again, in the human species, uh, it's quite new to be so oriented towards the material conditions of our lives. Getting rid of suffering is the thing we need to do. And uh, it is the grounding way that we deal with suffering. Um, but there have been so many other ways. And I actually brought a book with me today. Um, it's uh, by a actually a Christ, Christian uh, theologian. His name is Tim Keller. Um, the book I'm holding is called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. Now, this is a pretty Christian book, um, but you don't have to be Christian to learn from it and to really deeply appreciate the insights that are embedded in it. In this book, uh, Keller talks about he describes what he calls like four different ways throughout history that people have sort of thought about good and evil. Um, one is called moralistic. Uh, and this is the more like karmic idea, right? Like we think about suffering in a moralistic frame in terms of you need to do better, right? Suffering is a lesson that you need to uh, be a better, more enlightened human. Uh, and that is has really cosmic uh, implications, right? For you, for the universal soul to which you belong, uh, to the zeitgeist, to the unfolding of the telos of the world. Um, and that is a very significant piece of the puzzle. There was also an idea uh, Keller calls self-transcendent, and that's what we find in Buddhism. And in, in this tradition, suffering exists as almost an illusion because the idea of a self is an illusion. And the, the purpose in your life and the purpose of suffering is to help you see beyond it, right? To help you realize that all is ultimately nothingness. And when you die, you will be, well, or when you were released from samsara, when you will uh, be as one with all as you currently are, because you are currently nothing and all is currently nothing, right? And that's deeply cosmic. There was also what Keller calls a fatalistic view. And this is prominent in many traditions, um, including perhaps uh, most especially Islam, this idea that uh, suffering is inscrutable, but you must submit to the will of whatever forces are at play and have faith of a sorts, right? That it does have an ultimate meaning and an ultimate purpose. Um, and there is a dualistic view that God or whatever is at is powerful in the cosmos is limited, and there are forces of good and evil, and your suffering occurs almost as a um, casualty in that war and. Um, there's also views that humans are implicated in having to reform suffering, right? Humans are implicated in having to create the kingdom towards which uh, humanity or all of existence might be moving some sort of grand blissful state. Um, and there are also ideas that um, God exists and God co-suffers with you. And suffering is a, a purification of sorts that through which you must go and is glorified in a sense because you will are willing to take on the sins of another, right? You are willing to bear the burden of, of another, and that has deep cosmic significance. So I go through these um, items that exist in history in which Keller talks about in a really great way in this book um, to demonstrate to you that today's suffering and the way that we relate to vulnerability and the threats of the world um, is is deeply material and in that way kind of 
harder to cope with and doesn't have the same kind of significance. And so I encourage you to think about what might be beyond the physical, chemical, dopamine, here and now of your experience. You know, Do you believe that there is something ultimately good for which we must suffer? Do you believe that there is a mysterious answer to why these things happen? Do you believe that we will be redeemed at some point in our lives or after death? Right? Do you believe that there is something karmic in the world? Do you believe that we must release our suffering and release our selfhood and become one with the nothingness of existence? Right? These are all important questions to be asking yourself because if you think about suffering through any of these frames, then there is a reason and a purpose that is is beautiful and it's hard and it's i take personal issue with telling other people that their suffering has some sort of meaning i can do it for myself you know i take issue it's hard for me it seems unjust to say that to another human but i really do encourage you to think about use this time as an opportunity to think about what do you deeply believe in like what on a deep level motivates you and motivates our world and is worth living and fighting and dying for is there something for you you know and this belief doesn't necessarily have to be supernatural you can believe that the human project is to create something gorgeous and we have to keep fighting for it and we have to contribute and we have to make the universe a little bit more warm and a little bit more loving than it would have been otherwise right? That's absolutely an option. You know, our Western world is the only one in the history of all of humanity that views suffering as meaningless and absurd. And I think that that's just something really worth sitting with because we might be wrong. We're so incredibly unique, you know, and we're in this very, very unique situation and we very well might be wrong about that. Um, So I encourage you to think about that Um, And finally, I'll bring us to some um, action step conclusions. Um, Part 3A in my notes. Um, This time in our lives, coronavirus is certainly a time to rise to the occasion. I have often talked about suffering in a Western secular frame uh, as an opportunity to practice resilience. It is an opportunity to learn and to grow and to become a stronger, more resilient more present human, right? I talked about how we have sanitized our world. In the West today, we are kind of obsessed with making our world clean and safe and making sure that we don't suffer, right? But what if instead we say, you know what? Suffering is intrinsic to the world. Maybe it has some meaning. And this is an opportunity for me to embrace it, for me to Uh, practice resilience, right? Maybe we, instead of focusing so much on sanitizing our world, we also, you know, and that's not to say we don't want to make our world safe, but maybe we want to pivot our gazes to building up our own emotional, physical um, resilience, you know, as as much as we can, you know, this is an opportunity to rise, to stand up, to care for one another, um, and to be present as a human being in all of our vulnerability here on earth. Um, So now point two, three B, um, I want to encourage you to think about your vulnerability amidst other people, amidst the forces of the world. What does that mean for your life now? What does that mean for your meaning of life, right? Um, Vulnerability is perhaps the most beautiful thing, and it's tragic. Everything about humanity is beautiful and tragic. Perhaps the most beautiful thing about being human because it binds us together and it opens us up to the world and it helps us feel the fullness 
of experience. And again, that has challenges and it's hard and ugly and sucks, but also can be really gorgeous in that openness to one another and to the universe as it unfolds. Um, This is an opportunity to appreciate that how suffering, the flip side of suffering is, is joy. And this is again, deeply metaphysical and something uh, to turn towards with sensitivity, right? I'm not saying that um, because you or people, you know, are suffering, you need to be happy, but through this experience of rooting ourselves in our deep humanity, reaching out to the things that we believe in, whether it's Christ or uh, God or Bodhisattva, right? Whatever it is, reaching out to the forces that we believe in, rooting ourselves deeply in the sacredness of the world does have its own joy to it. And it's hard and it's difficult, but through suffering, right? And through this experience of connecting with one another and reaching out to one another and and being fully human, we can experience that joy of, of connectedness and vulnerability. Um, this is an opportunity, of course, to think about ultimate meaning, um, to really reflect on what you think about the nature of suffering, about the nature of the world. Um, and finally, I want to encourage you to think about how you can be purposeful in this time. Now, of course, self-care is very important, and I think we need to transcend these structures we have in our world that orient us towards being productive and towards needing to do something and towards um, needing to constantly participate in this rat race. It's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is um, we can be grounded in our purposes. Um, it's a part of why I'm working to help you right now, right? We can be grounded in um, helping one another and doing good and donating donating money or food to local food banks and whatever we can to help can really help elevate you. It can bring up your spirit. It can create joy even while you're going through suffering, right? And so um, while you are taking care of yourself, I think looking for opportunities to take care of others and to see what you're doing, to be writing your life story in a way that has a narrative arc, that has meaning, that has purpose, I think can be um, deeply, deeply satisfying. So um, with that, I'll bring this podcast to a close. Um, If you have any questions about this, please do reach out to me via any of the mediums I always have available. You can go to stephanierupert.com slash form, fill out an anonymous question, or you can simply respond to me on Facebook or Instagram. I am doing what I can while taking care of myself um, to be eminently available on these uh, platforms so that we can talk through things, so that I can create videos, so that I can um, hopefully provide you some uh, reflection, insight, or, or practical tips to get through these times. Um, So thank you so much for being a beautiful community and for um, holding space for me and everybody Um, through this time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for being in this discourse with me. Uh, It is an incredible honor to be able to uh, share with you in this way. Um, This has been a bonus episode of Naked Humanity. You know where to find us on all the podcasting platforms on YouTube and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stephanie Ruper. Thanks again. And I will be uh, in touch on social media platforms about the publishing of the podcast, uh, which should be resuming um, momentarily. Thank you so much again. I'm Stephanie Ruper. This is Naked Humanity. Take care.